Hello everyone and welcome to the Motor City Hoops podcast, an entertaining fresh take on the three-time NBA champs, the Detroit Pistons. Hey Hoopheads, we appreciate you listening to this episode of Motor City Hoops. Be sure to check out these other NBA pods on the Hoopheads podcast network, including Cavalier Central, 305 Culture, Spanning the Spurs, Hashtag Lakers, Nuck If You Buck, X's and O's NBA Breakdown, LA Hoops, The Wizards Hoops Analyst, and At The Buzzer. Plus our coaching-focused podcasts, Thrive with Trevor Huffman, Beyond the Ball, the CoachMaze.com podcast, Players Court, Bleachers and Boards, The Green Light, and Courtside Culture. Oh, and don't forget to check out our flagship, the Hoopheads podcast, hosted by me, Mike Cleansing, and my co-host, Jason Sunkel, featuring the best minds in the game, from grassroots to the NBA. Hey, Hoopheads, we all hate ankle sprains, and they happen way too often. Ankle injuries are the number one sports-related injury. Arise is trying to change that. With the iFast, your athletes get preventative protection and full mobility. Athletes no longer need to wear bulky braces that limit performance and give mediocre protection. Anyone playing sports should be using these products. Keep your athletes in the game. Don't wait for them to get hurt to take action. Visit www.arise.com. Spelled A-R-Y-S. And use the code HOOPHEADS to get 20% off the future of performance. That's A-R-Y-S-E dot com with promo code HOOPHEADS to get 20% off. Welcome to Motor City Hoops. Today we'll shortly recap the Pistons' last three games. Then we head into our 3-1-3 segment and, and see what comparison fits Sadiq Bey and Azir Stewart best. Then talk about our three-point shooting and possible trade scenarios. Next, we'll go around the NBA and talk about the P.J. Tucker trade. Who had a bad turnaround, the Hawks or the Wizards? And cap the episode off with LeBron James and the L.A. Lakers. But first, let's start with our Pistons' first game last week, the Spurs. 109-99 loss. And the Spurs are coming off a bad loss in Philadelphia. I expect them to really bounce back. And uh, it really was a one-sided game. I don't think the score or this, you know, this 10-point difference really uh, makes – it makes it look better, Bryce. But what was your thought in that game? Yeah, I agree, Vlad. Like, it just we, – we have a tendency to do this. And this is why not, not – we could do a whole segment on this. This is why I think our record does reflect who we are. I think – but we tend to make games look closer than what they really are. Like in my, my final note says blowout defense was just bad. And, and it was disappointing to see the defense be so bad because we actually played very good defense against the Brooklyn Nets the game before. But the defense was bad. Offense, our leading scorer was Josh, Josh Jackson with 15. We only had eight turnovers to their 21 turnovers, Vlad, and still lost that bad. So it, it just, it was frustrating to watch. You know, one of my big takeaways from this game, I always try to like have one thing, is I still don't think Jeremy Grant gets the respect from NBA refs like other number one options in the league. There was a play in the third quarter where he like just got thrown to the ground and it was no call play on go the other way. And I just wonder if he's ever going to get that or not. Yeah, coming up from a role player uh, for so many years, I think it's it's going to take a while, but I think he will eventually get there. You know, my take on this game is that we're very thin right now, Bryce. We made that trade, you know, as V1 for Diallo. Diallo can't play yet. 
And right now we're looking at guys like Frank Jackson, Sable Lee, Roddy Magruder. They get a lot of Magruder, minutes. Magruder's been had to start the whole week. You're right. But and they get a lot of minutes. And if you if you think about it, how many guys have got a chance to play themselves into a new contract or into the league this year with us, right? Frank Jackson on a two-way, Saban Lee on a two-way, Rodney Magruder, who's basically one step out of the league, and Clay even said he's like, oh, he's on his way out. Well, it doesn't look like that anymore. No, it so <laughs> we have to – I really want to give credit to this organization this year and Casey for really giving guys opportunities. Dennis Smith Jr., right? And all these guys, all There's of them a, had at least we'll, we'll talk two or three the, good games. Yeah, we'll talk about it in the Rockets game, but we added another guy on a 10-day contract, and he played in that game yep. and looked good. <laughs> I'm interested – again, we record these on Sunday afternoons. It's 2.30 Central time right now, about almost midnight where Vlad's at in Romania, but – you know, I'm interested to see whether he play. You know, Tyler Cook plays again tonight because he's another you know interesting uh, prospect. But you're right, Vlad. Troy Weaver, who we talk about, we give all the love in the world. You know, Dwayne Casey giving these guys chances. You know, unless you're a Seku lover, you don't you. I think everybody's a pretty big fan of the rotations and his willingness to give guys chances. Absolutely, but. Going this game, Bryce, it's we gave up 60 points in the paint. We gave up 60 points in the first half. San Antonio shot 48% from three. We got our rebounding 45-34. It was and ugly. It was ugly. It, exactly. It was ugly. It was it was that. And San Antonio, think about this. They had 21 turnovers too. I don't know how like this game got so close. I think this is really why the game was close. It was really a 30-point game. The only difference was, oh, okay, you know, we have 30 turnovers, so that's it. And, okay, as, as, as far as Seku goes, Bryce, we talked this, and I said, oh, we're going to keep talking about this. It just, he doesn't look ready. Like, all these guys that got minutes, they seem readier than him at some point. I don't know. It, it just, it, it took him one game, maybe two games. By, like, by second or third game, all these guys had good games. Vlad, you're, you're exactly right. I mean, that's a great point because you talk about, oh, well, he needs minutes. He needs consistent minutes, whatever. And I realize these guys have been in the league and played basketball for a little longer. But Rodney Magruder gets thrust into the starting lineup and looks really good. Frank Jackson has a really good game in, you know, in this game. And then he gets the start as we transition into the next couple games. So these other guys that aren't getting consistent minutes, when they get put into the lineup, they're ready to perform. Yeah, absolutely. And, okay, you mentioned Frank Jackson. Next game, our second game of the week is the Raptors, a 116-112 win. Sadiq Bey, 28-12. Huge game again for Sadiq. He's and we'll, we'll, yeah, get, yeah. We'll, we'll talk about Sadiq <laughs> a lot. Plenty of Sadiq Bey love today, baby. <laughs> hey, I, I'm, a, I'm a big fan of his, and that goes to my first episode. Yeah, all the you called it from the start. Yep, you got it. That's uh, you. But, again, Bryce. The team that has 20-plus servers wins the game. <laughs> this time was us. <laughs> but <laughs> I'll take we got it. <laughs> out, we got out-rebounding by 24. We have 20 turnovers. That's, that's weird. And then, you know, we have three points in the first six minutes of the second quarter. And th- this goes – I really want to touch on this tonight because it's, we're so thin, and I mentioned this against the Spurs game, that our bench is not really there yep. anymore. You know, right. it, the yep. rotations are all over the place. And I really want our listeners to understand how hard it is for a basketball player to go start off the bench, start 20 minutes, 5 minutes, 30-plus minutes. It is so hard to find a rhythm for guys that are not Jeremy Grant, Sadiq Bey, um, you know, uh, prime time, uh, Plumlee. You know, Plumlee guys gets, are very- yeah, yeah, Plumlee's getting consistent minutes. Josh Jackson's and Stewart's minutes are pretty consistent for the most part. Exactly. So guys like... 
Frank Jabs, they step in, or like Saban Lee, and it's like, okay, whoever one plays better gets more minutes. And it's very different. That can really affect your second unit. And I feel like this game, it really affected our second unit because we scored three points in the first six minutes in the second quarter, and then starters came in, and we scored 23 points in the last six minutes. You know, So it was just a little bit uh, one of the weird situations that we've had and dynamics we had all year between the starters and the bench. But now... We're at the point that I have no idea the starters and the bench and who's what's going on other than like Plumley Grant the Sadiq Bay is like so, okay that, whatever going on is going on. <laughs> you're exactly right. The, the the only thing you can be for sure of every game, Bay Grant and Plumley are going to start. Josh Jackson and Isaiah Stewart are going to unquestionably come off the bench. He is not Dwayne Casey is not going to start Josh Jackson, and I'm okay with it. I, I'm not one of those that I'm not saying Josh Jackson Jackson needs to start. I like him coming off the bench. For a lot of the points you just made, Vlad, like our our bench is is deteriorated because of injuries, the trades, Diallo's not ready, etc. So we need some sort of spark plug off the bench, some scoring off the bench. I thought this was the game Josh Jackson kind of got stuff back together. He only took two three pointers in this game, had sixteen points, five rebounds, six assists. We'll get into the three point shooting in the three one three. But I really think Josh Jackson found his game again in this game. And then one other point at the very end of this game, we finally saw what I've been waiting to see. Grant hits a dagger shot at the end of the game that didn't put it away, but pretty close. And then Sadiq Bay hit two dagger free throws to put it away. And it was really exciting to see those guys have really good games, but more importantly, come up clutch at the end of the game. Absolutely. And then, you know, we can transition this into, uh, you know, the consistency part where we talked, right? And you talk about Grant all year long, and he's been fabulous to me, okay? But next game, he goes against Houston, and he shoots 23.8%, 5 for 21. And I'm okay with those struggles, and I've said it over and over again. I'm okay with Sadiq Bey's struggle, uh, you know, here and there. But to me, what what makes Sadiq Bey special right now for us is that he struggles only in certain situations. Like, very rarely I've seen him struggle from a three-point line in the Houston game. So, the third game of the week right now, it was 113-100 for Detroit Pistons. Sadiq Bay struggled from a three-point line, which is a rarity, I would say. Yeah, exactly. Happen, it, but it happens with shooter, right? So, we had guys step up, though, right? So, Josh Jackson has 15 points. Jeremy had 18. Okay, Sadiq Bay had... 20 points, and this is where I wanted to get to. He got to the line. He found other ways to score. And a quick parenthesis that I was going to get to later, but let's let, let's get to it now. So, Bay shoots more than, more than 70% of his shots are threes. Before February 1st, Bryce, he was shooting 33% from two. 35% at the rim. After February 1st, he's shooting 50% from two and 61% at the rim. Those are encouraging and numbers. And that's huge for us. That's, yes. Right. That's huge. We talked about him. Is he not athletic enough? Is he, you know, is he just going to be a three and D his whole career? What is it? And to me, I said it in the, in, in, in the first few episodes. I really see him being able to develop that Chris Middleton type game, a two or three level scorer that can be really, really good. Yeah. He, he definitely has improved his efficiency at the rim. Um, I, I think he needs to continue to improve it. But what's been great about Sadiq Bey, and you saw it in this game, was he was 2-9 and nine from 3, but he still found a way to get 20 points because he was still aggressive. He got to the free throw line. 
And, you know, the other thing is he's rebounding the, wall, the ball at a pretty well, pretty high clip as well. He had six rebounds in this game. You know, so I, I do want to talk about, you know, what do you think it is with Jeremy Grant? Because I thought, to me, he comes out every game. He makes shots to start the game. And then he goes through, he, like this game, he did not shoot very well. Now, he hit some big shots in the fourth quarter to kind of put this game away, which again, I like to see. I'd rather see those shots. And I have no problem with him shooting 21 shots and continuing to shoot and be aggressive. But it seems like this has started to trend a little bit more towards a little less efficient and some more struggles. You think they're just, you know, middle of the season. You know, I, I just thought he'd come out of the all-star break and we'd just see him explode again. Up and down, Bryce. He's very up and down. Inconsistent, right? That's the word. As far as shooting the ball, I just don't think he's used to taking 20-plus shots a game. So I think he has those spurts where he just kind of gets maybe distracted, maybe tired, maybe, you know. And he's had those uh, games in in the first part of the season where he scored a lot and didn't rebound. And then he had more balanced games. And I think it's just a matter of him finding this balance. But also I think his shooting percentage has a lot to do with always – being the primary focus of the defense, something that he's not used to yet. So the first part of the season, he probably got, you know, some attention. Okay, good game, good game. Oh, you know, he's very good, so we got to get – but now I feel like it's at the point that he's the focal point of yep. of the of the opposing uh, defensive scheme. So I think a lot of it has to do with another adjustment he has to make, right? So the first adjustment was, okay, role player to leading scorer – and now it's like leading scorer without so much attention. Now it's leading scorer with a lot of attention. And it, it, it's just this, this ladder, Bryce, for any any basketball player, right? And once you climb up the ladder, the more attention you get, the, the more adjustments you have to make. And, you know, he's getting better. He's gotten better his whole life, basically, right? Yeah, As we talked about it from Syracuse days when he was just a cutter and a, and a, and a slasher. From his high school days even, right? From his high school exactly. days. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, he went now, to a big time high school where they l- played with tons of talent. Absolutely, he went to Matha basketball, uh, Matha High School. So, th- to me, it's just a matter of him adjusting again, and we have to be patient with that because you know it's it's not so easy. But I don't want to go um, in the in the three one three, Bryce. Before we talk about Frank Jackson, you know, he's five for five this game, <laughs> twenty three points, leading scorer in in twenty five minutes. So we talked. Another one of those guys. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. What are we going to do with all these guards? Because they play pretty well for us. They do. You know, and, and that's the that's the thing, Vlad. Like, I, you know, maybe this always happens for teams. I can't imagine it is. But it seems like every guy we decide to bring in and plug in and play, they play really well. Like, we did it with Magruder, and he played really well. We do it with Frank Jackson. He plays really well. You know, we trade for Dennis Smith Jr. He plays well. You know, we, we signed Tyler Cook to a 10-day contract. And he comes in, you know, Seku fans aren't going to be happy, but he takes some of Seku's minutes, two points, five rebounds in nine minutes, and looked really good. Like you just watched him move on the floor and play him and Isaiah Stewart together with the second unit. Looked really good. You know, it's a good problem to have, right, Vlad? The, the problem is eventually you can't play them all, you can't keep them all, so we're going to end up having to lose. And you're probably not going to be able to trade them all necessarily. So you're going to end up losing guys – that you know are quality basketball players but to me that's when you know you're turning the corner as an organization and working our way out of this rebuild is whenever it's like no no no, it's okay if we lose Dennis Smith Jr. because we have Killian Hayes and DeLon Wright and Frank Jackson and of course Saban Lee so 
it's a great problem to have, and I think it's impressive, and it just speaks to how good of a job Troy Weaver has done. Absolutely. Maybe down the line we don't get a Frank Jackson. Maybe we get um, you know a guy that's struggling. Maybe you get a Spencer Dinwiddie. You know we can, we can transition this into three on three, right? You get a guy Spencer Dinwiddie who has some kind of expectations coming off an of injury, but it's like okay, so they have a track record. It's not one. Okay, they had like five guys that came and, in and got better. You know, one foot out or whatever it was, bench players, and now they're starters. Now, two-way contracts play themselves on a guarantee contract. All this kind of, you know, just step-ups. Maybe it's going to give us a good, you know, we're going to get a good player and make him a great player, you know, one day. And that's that's kind of my, you know, my hope uh, down the line where we get one of the guys that's like, okay, he had a bad ear, but he's a very good player. So we get one of those guys. <laughs> what what hopefully Detroit is starting to look like to opposing or like other players in the league is exactly what you're talking about. Players look at Detroit. They look at Dwayne Casey, Troy Weaver, the organization, whatever it is. And they say, hey, I can go there and look at their track record of, I don't want to say resurrecting players' careers because it's not like we just, it's not like Magruder's and Frank Jackson. I mean, it's, it's, it's only a handful of games. But we can go there and we're going to get a chance to play and it's going to improve our our career. It's going to give us another opportunity or maybe an opportunity with them. And you're right. Eventually, if you keep getting those types of guys, you're going to hit like you're going to strike gold on one of them, you know, in the same way we did with Jeremy Grant. Yeah. And with Josh Jackson, too, I think he's, yeah. he's a great pickup for, you know, he was a great gamble. And right now, uh, Bryce, let's go transition to 313 All Things Pistons. I will really, you know, want to talk to Sadiq Ben Stewart. And uh, you've had a great tweet. Uh, Pistons Power picked it up. And let, let's talk about that a little bit. Yeah. So I tweeted out asking, you know, Pistons Twitter, whoever wanted to answer just for player comps for Sadiq Bay and Isaiah Stewart. I feel like, you know, this wasn't just some, you know, something I came up with. You're, you're seeing it all over Twitter. But it was really cool. Piston Powered, Aaron Kellistras. Um, at the Buck Show, he picked it up and he did a little article on it. So, so go find that article on Piston Powered, and uh, and check that out because he he did a really cool article with it where he compared it to older NBA players, current NBA players, and former Pistons. Um, I, the, so I'm just gonna steal from the ones he took, the ones I like the most. So for the older NBA players, his comparison for Sadiq Bay was um, Metal World Peace, Run Our Test. And that one's starting to grow on me a little bit. So I'm just going to throw these out here, Vlad, and then I'll let you kind of roll with them. And then for Isaiah Stewart, his current player comparison was Bam Adebayo. And that's a name that's come up a lot. Whenever I was on the Everything Pistons podcast a few weeks ago, uh, our guy Lance Caparossi um, brought that name up as well. So those are the two that I like the most from everything I saw on Twitter and from this Pistons Powered article. What do you think about those, Vlad? Well, I, I looked at the whole thing, so it was, um, let, let's. Uh, I'll run you through the whole thing. So the Pistons comparison is Prince and Lambier. Yep. To me, that was a big. That was a big no. That, <laughs> I, I, I don't I, see that one was hard see. too. Whenever you're when you're hamstrung to just an organization, it, it was it was tough. I I didn't see those ones as much either. Yeah, exactly. I would say not Lambier, but I would say more like Dennis Rodman for Stewart. <laughs> that's you know, true. I, yeah. I, I would say that way a little bit more. Ronald Test, Harris Grant, uh, uh, that's a little bit of a stretch to me too. And I really like the Jimmy Butler, Bam Adebayo one. I think that's the one that has to have Pistons fans excited the most, right? Like, I mean, just the thought Absolutely. of these two becoming Butler and Adebayo, so. 
I still think that a Sadiq Bay comparison would be Chris Middleton. I'm, I'm, I just you're don't stick to think. It. You love it. I'll, well, I'll stick to it because of the athleticism. I think Jimmy Butler is very athletic. Um, he's not a deadly three-point shooter. He's a good um, finisher with contact. He attacks the ring very well. So I think it's a little bit different than Sadiq Bey. As far as Stewart goes, I would love for him to be a Bam Adebayo. Even a – okay, maybe this is going to get someone upset, but even a poorer version of Bam Adebayo. Yeah, yes. No, for sure. <laughs> and uh, But the only thing is, does he have the handles and the vision? So, so, because so here's- Isaiah Stewart's the tough one, Vlad, because you always have to add a caveat with Isaiah Stewart. We talked about this last episode, right? How many guys have the motor that Stewart has and also has the skill set? So my caveat with Isaiah Stewart and the Bam Autobio is I think he would not be as much of a playmaker as Bam, but he would be a better shooter than Bam. Yeah. And, you know, my reach, what my reach is... Modern day Dennis Rodman. That's my reach right there. <laughs> but don't you think he's going to be more skilled than that? Like, I just. That's what I said. Modern day Dennis oh, okay, Rodman. Like, okay, okay, okay. I so see what he, you're he's going to be able to shoot the ball. He's not going to have like zero points, 20 rebounds. I don't think he's going to be able to get those 20, 25 rebounds like Rodman used to because it, once you play a little more offense, and we talked, we, we talked, uh, with Jeremy Grant, this, this kind of happens at times, right? Uh, once you have a bigger role in offense, you get a little bit more tired in defense. Uh, maybe you hide. Maybe you don't play the passing lane. So maybe you have less steals. Uh, maybe you don't attack the glass as hard, even though Isaiah Stewart, I don't think that's – I think that's just his DNA. He goes hard to glass. Maybe you but don't maybe try to block as many rebounds. shots because you don't want to get in foul trouble, right? Like that's been a thing with Stewart exactly. as well. Exactly. So I think – I do see him as a modern day Dennis Rodman. That's that's my reach right there. And so for Sadiq Bey, I would love for him to be a Chris Middleton, and for Isaiah Stewart would be a great Dennis Rodman. And with that, Pistons fans, we're in great hands, right? <laughs> so I, I, I want to throw this out there because for the last few weeks on Twitter, I've been throwing out, hey, send us a question, send us a, a topic, anything. It can be Pistons, NBA, March Madness has been going on, whatever. We finally got our fir- first one from a, a – a, a, a longtime follower, a, a person I interact with a lot on Twitter. So at Michigan, lots of E's in there, at Michigan uh, answered this week. So we got our first question, Vlad. It says, can Stu become a 20 and 10 guy or 25 and 12 guy? And then it also asks, if he can, how much added stress does that add to opposing defenses if we can score one through five? So let's answer the first part. Do you think he can become a 20, 10, 25 and 12 guy? I really have to see his motor more because it takes a lot. The, the way he plays, he's not really a – I don't want to say laid back, uh, but he's not a Marcus Saul. He's not – you know, he's a very high-energy, high-intensity guy. So I don't know if you can pull that off because 2010 across the season, that's a big that time. means he needs to play about 30 minutes, right? I mean, 30, yeah. 30-plus minutes. 82 games and at the pace that he's playing with the energy that he's playing I think it's going to be tough for him stat wise and minute wise so that's the only thing I don't think I think he can do it he's very capable of it but it comes back like you know his motor you know I, I mean he has a big motor but I don't know if you know it takes a lot of energy to, to be able to do that well with his style of play I agree. I, I think he's more in the lines of like a 16 and 9 guy, something like that, 18 and 10. I, I, I have as much faith in him as a shooter as anybody. 
25 points is a lot. I don't think we're ever going to see Isaiah Stewart score 25 points. Uh, you know, average no, 25 15 points. and 10, 15 and 12. I can yeah. see him average that. Yeah, and and his three point shot has come along. We saw he hit three threes in the last two games. Like it's there. He's going to be a capable three point shooter. It's it's not a question of if he's going to. It's going to be you know the confidence and getting used to shooting more and all that. He's going to be able to knock down shots. But I saw he might have a couple years where he averages 20. But you're right. It takes a lot of energy. You know, stay out of foul trouble, everything else to average 20 and 10. He may have a year where he does it, but I think, you know, his prime years, consistent years, I'm thinking more of an 18 and 10, 16 and 9 or 10 guy. Um, And I think the second part of that question, Vlad, is just more of a general basketball topic in terms of how much stress does it put on a defense if you can score one through five? Oh, I mean, well, we've seen that and we see that with the Lakers right now. Uh, we we kind of seen that with Nuggets at times. Um, I feel like the the, the Heat have that, and uh, this we can talk about this right now. The Bucks are gonna have that right now with the with the PJ Tucker trade, right? And it's huge, Bryce. It's huge because you cannot hide anybody at that point. There, there's you know because a lot of teams might hide. You know, LeBron was hiding at some point. Let's be honest, you know, and he was hiding defensively. A lot of James Harden was high in defensive in Houston, and uh, Steph Curry, for example, when Cleveland was involving him in a lot of pick and rolls, he wasn't switching, he was hedging every pick and roll, he was hedging because they didn't want him to switch on a better offensive player. So, when you have five guys that can score, I mean, that's huge because you can attack their weakest link every single time down the floor, and it might be a Steph Curry where you get him tired because. You don't need even necessarily need to score, but the fact that you have five guys that can score and are you know real threats to the defense, that puts a lot of pressure on them. It puts a lot of pressure on the players. And even if you have some misses, right? Let's say I don't know, you have a, a five man that's really good offensively down line, like James Weissman, right? But you have Stewart that can really score, and you attack him three, four times in a row, at least you're going to get him tired. Yep. You know, yes. at least you're going to get out of him. You and make will be enough. Yep. Exactly. Make him work, right? And this happened to a lot of players down – so I'm a big fan. If you can have five guys, oh, my God, I, I would love that. For our Pistons and the way Casey likes to play and the talent that we have, I would love that. No, I, I think – so I, I, whenever I saw this question, my initial thought was at the high school level and on my job as the assistant coach where I'm at mostly is scouting, defensive game plan, stuff like that. If you're going to tell me there's a guy on the other team that can't score, we're good. We're going to be able to guard you. I don't, you know, and if there's more than one, you're barely going to score on us. Because if I can take a guy and go set him in the middle of the lane, which you can't do this in the NBA to the same extent because of the defensive three seconds. But if there's a guy on the other team that can't score, it makes the, it makes guarding everybody else on that team easier. Because you can almost, you can always have a help defender there. So if the Pistons could put five guys on the floor that can all shoot it, score it in some way at a pretty decent clip, which I think eventually we're going to see, that makes them very, very dangerous offensively. Absolutely. And talking about that guys that can score, Bryce, uh, the last part of the segment, we're looking at possible trade scenarios. Um, I know you just mentioned Vico Depo. He was mentioned around Twitter. Spencer Dinwiddie, Aaron Gordon, those are all names that were kind of just uh, – thrown out for the Pistons that might have interest. What are your thoughts, Bryce? Because Oladipo, I even said about Oladipo when he got traded that 
that he could be an option because we do need a shooting guard. We need a starting shooting guard. You like DeRozan more than Oladipo, but you did mention Oladipo and talked about the shooting guard spot. The Oladipo, I, I don't know, for our listeners, you know, this was thrown out on Twitter. Some you know, more Piston-specific people have said, you know, this isn't really true. But we can talk about it anyway because it plays into the, the, the general idea and the shooting guard spot and all that. I'll say this. I've gone on Twitter and I've said... And so any of you that follow Motor City Hoops, most of that stuff comes from me. So I, sometimes it sounds like maybe I'm speaking for Vlad and Alex, and I don't mean to, but I would be out on an Aaron Gordon trade. I don't think he fits with us. Um, obviously, if it wasn't a you know if it wasn't a huge, we didn't have to give away a lot to get him. Maybe you take him on and flip him or something like that. But I don't think he fits because I like Jeremy Grant at the floor. I've said we've talked about this on the show. I like the idea of Spencer Dinwiddie. Um, I think you buy low on Spencer Dinwiddie coming off the injury. I think he signs his player option because he's not going to take a chance coming off the injury. I don't know about Victor Oladipo. Vlad, I watched that Rockets game and I know it's one game and I will admit I haven't watched any other Rockets game, but I wasn't overly impressed, man. I think they should have kept Karis LeVert in that trade as opposed to, to Oladipo anyway. So... And I'll be very honest, I'm not high on any of these guys. And I have my theory, and you did say about DeRozan, and I have my theory that DeRozan is going to end up with the Pistons as a yeah, free agent. You said this, unless, yes. unless, unless he ends up in L.A., if we can make the cap work, he ends up with us. And my biggest thing is, I don't know how many people were paying attention to what Casey said and what DeRozan said, that Casey's a father figure to him. And the same thing Casey said, he's like, he's like my son. They had a great relationship with the Raptors. And I really think that's our target as, as far as the free agent goes next summer. I really think DeMar DeRozan is our target. I don't know if we can make the, the money work. Yep. As that's far as this guy's Aaron Gordon, I mean, I saw the trades and I'm like, I'm not willing to give up that much for a guy that plays the small four or the power four where I have Sadiq Bay and Jeremy Grant. It makes no sense, right? And you said this too, right? What do we do? We just flip him? I don't know. I would not trade that much for a rental and you don't know what you can flip him for this summer. I think it's too much of a risk. Oladipo, uh, he's a free agent next year too, so I'm he not sure it would be worth making a trade. A lot of ties to Miami with him. And Vlad, to me, like I'm all about the excitement. It makes for good podcasting whenever Troy Weaver makes a trade and stuff like that. Obviously, it'd be great if if the the trade deadline was busy and you know we'd have all sorts of things to talk about next week, so people would come in and 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 listen. But I'm okay where we're at, honestly, with this team, Vlad. I really am. I think we should let go of Wayne Ellington because his contract's expiring, get a second-round pick back. And then I think we set still after that. I like the group we have. I want to see, you know, we we don't need to get into Cade Cunningham again, which he does play here in about six hours if you want to watch him play, though. Um, (laughs) But, you know, I just – I like our guys, and I don't know that we have to go get DeMar DeRozan. What if we end up with Cade Cunningham or Jalen Green in I, the draft? I, I was just going to say, me, please mention some other name because I feel like last three weeks all we talk was about Cade Cunningham. Okay, like, right, so, we're, so we can like we're locked to get him, so we're going to look like fools, Bryce. If we don't get Cade Cunningham, we're going to be like, well, who is this guy? No, no, no. Bryce, uh, Bryce and Vlad only talk about Cade Cunningham. <laughs> <laughs> trust me, I've already tweeted it out that I'm in love with Cade Cunningham and I'm sold on it and I'm ready to get my heart broke that we end up not getting the number one pick. So, Bryce, I'm pretty sure every GM in the country is in love with Kate Cunningham at this point. So some, it's okay. But you know what? Somebody will talk themselves out of it just because people like to over, overthink things. But but I guess my point is, so my two top guys in the draft are Cunningham and Jalen Green. 
And so either one of those guys, Cunningham's not a true two, but you can slot him in as your two man air quotes. I know you guys can't see it, but so, but Jalen Green would be the next guy. If we ended up with him, I'd be okay too. But again, that's your two man. So I don't know that I want us to go out and get DeMar DeRozan. And then now you're bringing that guy off the bench, but you have Josh Jackson and Hami Diallo. Well, it does depend. It, it depends who you draft, too. It all depends who you draft, right? So, I mean, that that was... If we end up with Evan clear. Mobley, then it makes a lot of sense to bring up DeMar DeRozan. If we go Evan Mobley in the draft, the big man from USC, um, who he plays KU tomorrow, so that'll be... I'm excited to watch that game. And... Um, you know, if we end up with Evan Mobley, then there is a huge spot at that, that, that two guard position. Yeah, absolutely. And I love Mobley too. I watched just a little bit of him uh, the other day and, uh, you know, he looked good. And he had a sweet sequence that I think everybody saw with two block shots in like yes. five seconds. Yeah. And then he got the rebound and started a fast break, so which, which is pretty nice. <laughs> yeah. Yep. And uh, th- there's a lot of talent out there, Bryce. But, you know, my thoughts were just uh, purely on the relationship that. Casey has with DeRozan and the fact that we do need a shooting guard. Of course, if you draft a shooting guard, there's no reason to side DeRozan because you do have Josh Jackson coming back, who's basically your backup shooting guard, so you don't need another one. And you you have DeLon Wright, who's locked in for a few more years, who can play both positions. So he's that like third guy that you can have in a rotation. And, you know, it, it makes no sense to go give DeRozan a lot of money for what? You know, <laughs> just to get stuck, unless you can flip some of these other guys. But you're right, I think. Um, Okay, we'll, we'll just uh, – with Ellington, Bryce, I don't know. What are your thoughts? Because I know you want to get rid of him. But do, do you think we're going to get a lot out of him? No, or? I, no I don't. I just – I don't think he comes back at, at the end of the year. Absolutely. But who's going to shoot any threes for us, Bryce, at any point in the rest of the well, year? If Vlad, he goes to – I'm glad you asked, Vlad, because I don't think we need to be shooting that many threes. So – if, if you follow us on Twitter, I, I woke up the other morning and I was just like, man, I feel like we haven't shot as many threes. So I actually did my own research here at Motor City Hoops. We don't have any research people. If you want to, we can't pay you anything, but we would love to have you. So, but the past three games, Detroit's only averaging 27 and a half three-point attempts per game. The previous 10, Vlad, they averaged 37 and a half, 10 more three-point attempts per game. So the, the three-point attempts are down and in turn... Our free throw attempts are up almost five attempts a game in the last three games. So I, I obviously have – we have no in. We have no connections. I have no knowledge. But it sure seems to me like Troy Weaver has assembled a team and then Dwayne Casey is now coaching a team that is let's shoot less threes, let's get to the rim and get to the free throw line. Well, Casey's known for his driving kick offense. He's known for shooting a lot of threes, and he wants to shoot a lot of threes. I think it's 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 part of them being more aggressive, but it's also part of them losing a shooter, right? Two they shooters, Ellington and Svi. Or, or exactly. Ellington hasn't they, been playing, so yeah. So they lost V with the the trade. That's why I meant, you know, they lost V for good, and Ellington's been out with injury. So I don't know if it's something that Casey said or if it's just something that kind of came natural when you know you have two shooters that. Are missing, you know, that we're taking seven, eight threes, then you kind of just shoot less, right? And uh, that, that that's just something that remains to be seen when Ellington comes back. And uh, you know, I, I would love to trade Ellington for some kind of pick, even a second round pick. Would you take a Weaver second for him? 
if he, Weaver just does a fabulous job drafting, so why not just why take, not? A, take a risk? Exactly. Like it, it's not really. We're not at a point that. I love Wayne Ellington for locker room. I love the way he plays for us right now, and he's playing well. He's shooting the ball well, but unfortunately, it doesn't make a difference for us, right? To me, it doesn't. Uh, we're not in any, you know, what last game of the season like May sixteenth or a month and a half off. So I don't think it's worth it. Yeah, for and us to just drag this. Agreed. Agreed. I, I don't think I don't. It's kind of like Blake Griffin, Derrick Rose. At a certain point, it just didn't make sense to have them in the rotation because other guys were playing well enough that that we were good. You know, we we have Saban Lee, we have Dennis Smith Jr., we have Josh Jackson, we have Hami Diallo, we have Rodney Magruder, Frank Jack. Like we have all these dudes that have shown that they're capable. They're younger. They're here for longer. You know, why not play those guys? So so what is Wayne Ellington's role? Where I think of of a team that's contending could use his shooting off the bench. Even if it's just for one series, they know they're going to need a, a, some guy to come in and bang some shots off the bench. And my guess is they'd be willing to part with a second-round pick for that. Absolutely. We, we've seen this happen. It's a good time to transition to, um, around the NBA then, Bryce. We've seen this happen with the P.J. Tucker trade, right? And that was a big surprise for me. I did not expect the Bucks to pull the, this off. They got very creative in the trade with the p- picks, uh, with the players they gave away. And uh, what are your thoughts on the P.J. Tucker trade, Bryce? Because exactly what you're talking about, right? A, a contender just add a veteran that can shoot the ball. Yeah, I, I like it for Milwaukee. And we talked about this last episode. And both of us threw out a bunch of teams, right? And None, neither, none of them was Milwaukee. <laughs> no, neither one of us, right? Neither one of us said Milwaukee. And I didn't even think he was going to get traded. So the trade, you're right. It was very creative. Um, none of the other players, DJ Augustine, I, I shouldn't say none of the other players were huge. DJ Augustine, I know some Bucks fans are a little concerned about their backup point guard position um, now with him being moved. And then there was some exchange of first round picks and second round picks um, between the two teams. But PJ Tucker was a guy, you know, I, I'm kind of high on in terms of he's going to help you out come playoff time. He sets in the corner, can bang shots, and then he's going to be able to help guard. You know, he'll be able to match up with Ben Simmons. He'll be able to match up with Kevin Durant. He'll be able to match up with Jimmy Butler. And then if they were fortunate enough to get into the Western Conference or into the NBA championship, they can match up with whether it's LeBron, Kawhi, PG-13, whoever it is coming from the from the West. So I think it gives them a nice little piece that maybe they didn't have before. And they had shooting before at the center position, Bryce. I can see PJ Tucker playing that kind of spot yep. where Lopez <sighs> I don't want to say anything bad because I do like the you, guy. You might as well because everybody else hates but him right now. He's de- like the most hated def- buck. Well, defensively, he's a huge liability, Bryce. Who can he guard at this point in his career? And, you know, he's almost like a dinosaur. He's <laughs> like, uh, okay, he can shoot the ball. Great. He doesn't move extremely well. He doesn't move. Exactly. So you you take that lineup and you get another frontcourt guy that can guard and shoot a three. Because I think that was the biggest problem, right? Who can I take out? You know, how can I take Lopez out and put a guy in that can shoot the ball? Because you need as many shooters as possible with Giannis. So I can't really take a guy and put another, you know, a a tweener, a 4-3, 3-4, 5-4 type player, right? So like a frontcourt guy that can guard but can't shoot. So, to me, this was the PG Tucker trade was great for them because the last two years, you know, they needed that one more guy in the front court. And I think that's that's what they got. Now it's going to be interesting because, you know, he hasn't played much this year. He hasn't played well. 
he's in the contract year. So it's it's going to be interesting. You know, he has all those shoes to move from Houston. So uh, <laughs> he does have a so, nice shoe game. You know, he has a great shoe game. <laughs> nice shoe game. Yeah. So, I mean, so they can put out a very interesting lineup of Drew Holiday, your guy Middleton, Giannis, PJ Tucker, obviously, and then Bobby Portis. If they wanted to be a little bigger or if they wanted to go small, then they could leave in DiVincenzo and have the extra guard out there. So, like, he, you're right. He gives you some. I love this, like this t- players that can do this. He gives you lineup flexibility, right? Because exactly. he can play, and Giannis gives you lineup flexibility, right? Because Giannis can play multiple positions. So it, it definitely makes, gives them more flexibility in terms of how they guard things and their defensive strategy and switching. And, you know, he's not going to start, but maybe you're right. Lopez plays his 20 minutes, and then whenever you get into the fourth quarter, then it's P.J. Tucker time. What it's going to come down to, Vlad, is does he make shots? It, the, the, exactly. It, it, if he makes shots, this is going to be a really good trade for the Bucks. If he doesn't make those corner threes, then it, they're gonna, it's going to seem like they traded away a backup point guard for nothing. Yes, I agree with you. And you also have to think how people guard them right now, right? So if you have Lopez and Giannis on the floor – you can hide your five. You can hide your center, right? Yeah. But now with this kind of lineup, where does like who does your center guard? You know, can he guard PJ Tucker? Well, if PJ like you said, if PJ Tucker makes shots, then it's a problem, and you don't really want your center guarding Giannis. Definitely not. So I think it creates a lot of mismatches for them, and I think that's what the, the Bucks looked at it. You know, they they need one more front court guy that can knock down shots, that can give flexibility and versatility. And that's exactly what P.J. Tucker does. So so that's the lineup that would be fun then, Vlad, is actually not Bobby Portis, who Bobby Portis has had a really good year, but Holiday, Middleton, and DiVincenzo on the floor with Giannis and P.J. Tucker. Who's your five-man matching up with? Because here's the other thing. We only talk about P.J. Tucker like he's a corner three-point shooter. It's not like P.J. Tucker couldn't take a, a lot of NBA five-mans off the bounce if they were, you know, have a hard closeout to him or something like that, you know? So... So you're right. It, 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 they can do some fun things with that lineup now. Absolutely. And talk about like lineups and flexibility. Let's talk about the most surprised turnaround, Bryce, the Wizards or the Hawks. What do you have right there? Uh, you know, my, I, you know my thoughts, but I'll let you go first. Yeah, so I'm going to go the, – the Wizards has been impressive. They've struggled a little bit more here just recently, but they definitely turned it around there a little bit with Russ – and uh, Bradley Beal, and I love I love Bradley Beal, but I'm gonna go with the Hawks, and here's why. I was very excited about the Hawks coming into the year, as we've talked about on this show, and then honestly, I lost faith in them, Vlad. Like I, I thought it was over. I thought I thought they were gonna trade John Collins. I thought maybe they would trade some other dudes that maybe they'd kind of have to blow it up, and instead. They made the decision to fire their head coach, Lloyd Pierce. Wasn't a great, you know, wasn't super favorable. I don't think a lot of people liked it. But Nate McMillan has come in. They've won eight in a row. And I think sometimes that's what I tweeted this out. I think sometimes what it takes is just a different voice in the locker room. And it's not an indictment of the previous coach always. Sometimes your time just runs out. Sometimes your voice is no longer heard. You know, sometimes a a team or a group of guys or girls just needs a different voice. And I think it seems like that's what the Hawks needed. On top of Vlad, they've gotten a little healthier, which always helps as well. Absolutely. And what I love about Nate McMillan and Trey Young said this after the last win, 
he said he gives everybody confidence and he lets everybody be themselves. So I don't know if it's uh, this is a lot of credit to Nate McMillan or it's just a jab at Lloyd Pierce before that. You know, I don't know which one to go. It's, but it's I'll hard choose to, to go decide with the, sometimes. Let's just say yeah, it's a it's McMillan. It's McMillan is doing a great there, job. Let's, let's go with that. Let's go with that. Yeah, and uh, before this, I would say the Wizards had the most surprised turnaround because I was I was looking Trey Westbrook, if you remember, a month yep. and a half ago. I was yep. like, oh, he needs to go. Somebody needs to go. And I didn't realize that playing with Westbrook takes time. It takes time to figure things out. And I kind of played off the emotions of Bradley Beal where he was frustrated. You can see him, you know, on the bench, throwing the towel, put his head down, shaking his head. So I was like, oh, man, this is not going to be good. But then I think something turned for them. And now you have two guys. Okay, they're they're not nearly as good as the Hawks right now. So the Hawks are sitting in fourth place right now. They're 22 and 20, while the Wizards at 12th at 15 and 25 – you know, they're about three games out of the playoffs right now at the 10th seed, the Bulls. And uh, the only thing that really makes me curious about his Wizards is they lost Thomas Bryant. And they have two guards that can score 40. Like, at a blink of an eye, both of them. Um, both of them, very good scorers. You know, Westbrook still chasing triple doubles. So, to me, that was a huge turnaround as far as the players. And I don't think the Hawks the Hawks would turn around without the coaching change. That's the only thing that really puts it in balance for me as far as the turnaround is. The Hawks got turned around by the coaching change, while the Wizards kind of stay the same with the same coach, same players, and just kind of figure it out. So, that's why I kind of give a little more credit to Wizards. To me, it was a little more impressive because of that. Yeah, and that's what, you know, watching the Rockets play the other day, I, well, I'm, trying to, I'm trying to see what was the, the, all the terms of that trade. Um, so a lottery-protected first-round pick went with John Wall. I still think that was a good trade for the Wizards, Vlad. Like, I, I mean, it's not, I don't know if it's going to end up getting in the playoffs or not, but I don't know. I, again, I don't watch a lot of Rockets games. Maybe he just had an off night, but I was not extremely impressed with John Wall in that game. He is averaging 21 still, six assists. So he's still having a quality year. But, you know, R- Russ Westbrook looks pretty good. Like like you said, he's a different kind of player. It takes some time to figure it out. And, you know, I, I could see them getting it together still and making a little run into that playoff scenario. You know, you ha- just have to get into that 10th spot to be in the play-in. And with those two, you can do a lot of damage. Yeah, absolutely. I don't see anybody else. You know, I think it's going to be the Bulls that can drop a little bit. The Raptors can go up. So it's going to be tough for the Wizards because I really see the Raptors being in that 10th spot. Yep. Unless some, you know, I can, they have more experience. And, you know, I don't know. It's going to be very tough for them, for, for the Wizards to make the playoffs. But now talking about playoffs, tough situation, tough situations. Let's talk about the Lakers. Bryce, I don't know. I'm I'm very skeptical of their chances this year at this point. What? We're talking LeBron James injury. It's a high ankle sprain. From what I read, it's a minimum of two weeks. Can be six weeks or more. Uh, AD, he's still about one week away from being reevaluated. Reevaluated. That's important. Reevaluated. Re-evaluated. Yes. Reevaluated. Yes. So Gasol... He's just getting back into shape. 
And uh, I don't know. To, to me, they're two and a half games from the first seed, but also two and a half games from the sixth seed. So I, I see them go down right now, not up. So I don't think they need to look at the Jazz and Suns. They really need to look behind the Clippers, Nuggets, and, and Blazers. Yeah, and, well, and what's your what's your take? Yeah, and and the Nuggets are you know playing well. The Blazers just got our guy CJ McCollum back, so you have to think that they're going to continue to play better and better. You know, I, I know we we you know had our joke about the Spurs a couple episodes ago. I don't necessarily see them, but they're Greg Popovich is so good. They're going to continue to win games. You know, you know Dallas could get on a run with KP and Luca, so. They're in jeopardy of, of being in the six. So, and, and people say, oh, so what? And, and I think we've talked about this a little bit as well. So I'm going to backtrack a little bit. If you end up in the six spot, Vlad, now you don't have home court advantage for the first round. And basically, now you how, play the Clippers the first round, Bryce. You play the Clippers. The, 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 way, it looks, the, the way it looks right now. Yeah, you have to play the Clippers, the Suns, and the Jazz. You have to go through all three of those before then meeting the Nets or the Sixers or the Bucks or whoever from the East. I'm not saying they can't do it, but that wears on your body. That wears on you mentally. That wears on emo- on you emotionally. That can cause injuries because you're overexerting your body. And this team, like you just outlined, is already dealing with injuries. So are they ready for just a knockdown, drag out playoff series every round? No, they need a first round sweep so that they can keep guys rested. You know, and is AD even going to come back? Like you said, it's, it's reevaluated. Well, that may mean another three weeks or four weeks, or maybe they say, hey, like, we're not comfortable with this. LeBron, high ankle sprains, you know, all over the place. Could be back in a week, you know, but it could be six weeks. If, if, if those guys miss another month, they're going to fall into the bottom half of the playoff picture. Absolutely. And they're 6-4 and four right now over the last 10 games having LeBron James. And that team without AD and LeBron is nowhere near it's nowhere near the playoffs, let alone, you know, be a contender. And I really see them having a hard time the next eight weeks. So the last game right now is May 16th, Bryce. That's late, less than eight weeks away until the end of the regular season for the Los Angeles Lakers. That's... One week away from AD being reevaluated, LeBron probably two, three more weeks. And if they miss another three, four weeks, both of them, not the only. Uh, okay, so the Lakers are going to drop the sixth. Let's say they drop the sixth. Okay, great. I'm not worried if they're healthy. If they're healthy, I'm not worried about it. But coming off an injury and having to, you know, two, three, four weeks to get in playoff shape in what was supposed to be the conference finals. Lakers Clippers in the first round. I'm not sure they're ready either. Even if they come back healthy enough, I'm not sure they can take that series. Well, and I mean, there's just some chemistry things. Anybody who's played, anybody who's been a part of the team, know that like it just takes a little bit. Look what happened to Virginia last night in in March Madness, Vlad. That that's a well coached team. Both of us know, you know, we're both coached by one of the assistants at Virginia, Jason Williford. Great coach. And so you, I always cheer for Virginia because of that. And, but they, they didn't get a practice for 10 days, Vlad, or whatever it was. They, they were all in quarantine. They showed up pretty much in Indianapolis in the bubble and then had to play a game the next day. And by no means am I taking anything away from Ohio. Okay, by no means. That's not what I'm trying to do. But I'm saying chemistry matters. Whenever you don't play together for that long, 
it takes a little bit of getting that back and when do I cut and throw in the pass on time and how do I move and what do you do when I do that? And AD, it just seems like AD and LeBron have barely played together at all this year, you know? And so it's going to be tough for them unless those guys get back sooner rather than later. Even if they're healthy for the playoffs, I just, they're not going to be full, you know, full strength in terms in terms of their chemistry and how well they're playing. Yeah, it's well, we both know Bryce how hard it is, and I that's that's why my my main worry right now is really not the seating, it's them getting back on the floor early enough to create chemistry and also be healthy and in good shape, because it's easy. Okay, okay, you sit out eight more eight more weeks and you play first round of playoffs. Well, what kind of shape are you in to play in the first round of playoffs with a Clippers team that's you know at the top at at the peak of their you know performance level and ready for the playoffs and you're just coming off an injury you know you're not going to have any chance so that's why what you said was very you know very correct they need a buy they need a sweep basically you know (laughs) not a buy a sweep like a quick sweep where you know 4-0 go home get some rest and they're not (laughs) going to get it like they may not have got it anyway because the west is so good we've talked about this they may not they're definitely not going to get it if these guys are out for the next month and, you know, they lose six or seven games, you know, go on a, you know, lose two out of 10 or something like that. And here's the other thing. Absolutely. It, it, it's like, how far do you drop though? That's another thing. It's, it's, because I don't see them winning many games in the West without LeBron and AD on the floor. I don't think they go below six, Vlad. I, I mean, they're, they're, they're right now, they're what, four and a half above the Spurs, maybe the Spurs, but they're six games above the Mavericks. I would think that you know, so that would be seventh at the most. But here's the thing, Vlad. If they went to seven, now they're having to play in the funny little play-in scenario thing. So now you're already adding on another extra game or possibly two because of that. And I'll tell you this, Bryce. If you look at their, their you know, their next few games. It's not uh, easy. Let's, uh, look, I'll, I'll pick up the next 10 games. They have the Suns right Boss. now, today, Sunday. Pelicans, 76ers, Cavaliers, Magic, Bucks, Kings, Clippers, Raptors, Heat. That is a two-week spurt that LeBron is definitely going to miss and that AD might come back for the last three games, four games of, of the games that I just mentioned. They're four I, and six. I, at, I'll be honest. They're four and six at, at best. best. I was going to say two and eight. I mean, <laughs> I was going to I was going to give him the, the Cavs and the Magic. Yeah, yeah. so th- that's what I was going to say. Cavs and Magic, they can beat the Pelicans – and the Kings, I think they beat the Kings. So the Pelicans, maybe. So, uh, but yeah, I mean, there's a legit chance they can go two and eight over the next ten games. Exactly. Where does that put him? So that's. Uh, it depends on what the other teams do, but I mean, Vegas is probably going crazy right now with their odds. So <laughs> yeah, they're flipping them all over the place. <laughs> yeah, make sure you keep an eye on that. <laughs> so, it, but uh, it'll be interesting to see what this does for like Kuzma and Schroeder and stuff, Schroeder too, because. You know, what does it do for the confidence of a guy like Kuzma? This could go one of two ways. All of a sudden, he's thrust into a huge role. What if he doesn't isn't able to? What if his shooting numbers go down? What if he doesn't perform well? That could hurt his confidence. Or, honestly, you know, on the upside, you know, we've kind of just been downers about this. Maybe Kuzma goes bananas in this new role, shoots it really well, finds his stuff, and becomes a really strong third scoring threat off the bench for them. Um, whenever everybody's healthy again. So there's all those aspects of it as well, too. 
Absolutely. And Bryce, since we have a few more minutes, uh, let's just recap. You know, the Pistons played the Bulls today uh, as we're recording this, uh, well, in a few hours. Then they got the Pacers, the Nets again, and then uh, we have the Wizards in the next uh, week. Yeah. So uh, what's your take, Bryce? What do you expect? Because I have no expectations as far as, like, wins and losses anymore. Um, I just look forward to see, you know, Sadiq Bey, Stewart, and this guy just keep improving. Uh, keep playing our basketball and trying to figure out our way of playing basketball. I think that's where I'm going to keep my focus on. I, I want to see if Jeremy Grant, you know, if where the efficiency numbers are. I want to continue to kind of track and see where those three-point attempts go in terms of, you know, do we stay in that closer to under 30 or over 30 um, three-point attempts? And then Sadiq Bey and Isaiah Stewart, man. Like, you know, do those guys – I think they're just oozing with confidence right now and getting better and better where sometimes guys hit the rookie wall. So I'm excited to see if they continue to improve and play better. Absolutely. Just stay tuned uh, because Bryce is uh, live tweeting almost every single game. <laughs> I try. Uh, I try. You know. I try. Absolutely. Just, just stay tuned to Twitter. You know, Motor City Hoops, make sure you follow us. And uh, like like you saw today, you know, if, if you throw us a question, then uh, we'd love to discuss it here on the show. Uh, Motor, Motor City Hoops show on Instagram and then Motor City Hoops on Facebook. Please reach out to us. Give us, you know, any reviews, any anything you think that can help us. You know, we'll, we'll take criticism. You know, we both play basketball. We get it. Collegiate level, pro level. So, exactly. We can handle it. But until then, thank you for listening to us. And then uh, we'll see you guys next Monday. Thank you for listening to the Motor City Hoops podcast. Catch you on the next one.